my name is Will Reed. This is the Orange County Homeschoolers Podcast. I'm here with my guest, Brittany Doan, and we're going to talk all things homeschool, talk about how she got into homeschooling with her family and her new project, The Red Apple Project. So, Brittany, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Will. Definitely. So, I want to go ahead and start with, were you homeschooled? I was not homeschooled. I was 100% public school educated. Um, I'm in Southern um, South Orange County, and I um, went to public elementary school, public junior high school, public high school, and um, back in the day when you just went to the school that in the area where you lived. Got it. So how did you, you know, make the decision that when you got a family to decide to homeschool? Well, it started out by that my, in my own school experience, I was actually bullied quite a bit. And um, while um, those experience kind of shaped me into who I am and they created the ability for me to be kind of thick skinned and not worry about what people are saying or doing and everything. Um, when I had my own children, I was like, why would I put them somewhere where they would be subject to something or possibly could be subject to um, an environment where somebody else wouldn't stick up for them? And I just felt that I was put into some situations that I shouldn't have been in and that I was let down by the adults around me in those situations. Yeah, I know in my own uh, experience myself, I was I was also public schooled my, my whole life and uh, I experienced some, some bullying as well. And I remember at a certain point, uh, I actually told, you know, the office what was happening. And uh, in my experience, it actually kind of made it worse because once they found out that you, you like told on them, they like were worse to you. So for me, definitely. Was, <laughs> yeah. So for me, it was really just, I guess I'll just have to figure it out my own because telling the adults, they were like, well, we don't really have the power to do anything, I guess. So just, you know, I was like, I guess I'll just deal with it in, uh, myself. So. Nothing, nothing too serious, I think, but um, definitely uh, shaped me to, to who I am today. So, so you decided to homeschool to, to avoid bullying so that you kind of, I guess, had more control over their education. Well, a little bit, but I also, when my oldest child was about three and four years old and I started thinking about, oh, what am I going to do for school? We also had some extended family that... Um, were homeschoolers. They lived up in the Seattle area, but they had lots of children in their family, and it was just a way of life for them that they homeschooled. And so I went down to the local park day with some homeschool moms with my three-year-old just to see what it was like at a park day. And they had teenagers there that were like 16, 17 years old, and they were organizing games for the younger kids, like the 10 and the 11-year-olds and everything. And they were doing capture the flag, and then they're playing tag, and then they're playing freeze tag, and then they're playing with them, and then they're doing crafts with them. And I'm just looking at this like, if my teenagers can come out like that, then I want to homeschool. Yeah, that is something that exists in homeschooling when you know I kind of brought, got brought into this whole homeschooling system in Orange County that I noticed is you have classes that have older students, you know, by a few grades and then some younger students by a few grades. And I just feel like that's more normal to how society exists in real life where you have people who are older. Um, and I feel like, you know, 
being socialized with people who are older than you and also younger than you helps you actually be more social. Um, so that is, you know, kind of a myth that they have with homeschooling that homeschoolers, you know, aren't exactly as socialized. That so. is very true. I don't think there's another place on earth that's a social construct where you have to attend somewhere where you know what, you're going to be a teacher or you're going to be a dentist or a doctor or a lawyer and you're going to go into this room of people and you're only going to be with people your age, only your grade level. So all the people who are 47 years old, you guys have to work together in a room, only the 47-year-olds and so forth and so on. Everywhere else on earth, anywhere, you're going to be in a mix of ages. You're going to have older people, younger people, and you learn to communicate. Communication skills are the same no matter what your age. Yeah. So I guess you go there to the park day, you make the decision that you're going to homeschool. So what did that look like from that standpoint where, you know, you have your children and your family and you've decided we're homeschooling now. And then where do you, where do you go from there? Well, we were a part of um, a Christian homeschool group. I went to my local church and found the other families there that were also homeschooling. And then that's how I was invited to the park day. And we um, just started making friends. And so when my oldest was four years old and, you know, then it turned into the, the 12-year-old that was part of this other family, we went over to her house once a week and her 12-year-old loved ballet. So she taught my three-year-old how to do ballet. And that was like our play date and they got to do ballet. And it wasn't even the age, the t- like time to like do school for her. But at four, that's how our relationships in the homeschool world started. Okay. Okay. So then that's how it starts. How did it, how did it progress from, from there? Cause you know, I'm, I'm looking at it, it from homeschooling for like, you know, I've only been in it for maybe five years. What did it look like back then? Okay. So my daughter right now is 23. And so back then when she was uh, four, three and four, we're going back 20 years now. And we, um, back then, people would get together in a house and just do school alone or they would get together with some friends and pull together like a co-op type of thing in their in their house and sometimes and this is really funny because when you would do a co-op with one or two other families you know one family has five kids you have three kids and the other family has a couple kids and then when one family is sick then like your whole day is blown because like half your school is gone and your co-op day gets affected and everything. And um, I just remember thinking, gosh, I needed something that just like kept me on track a little bit more than just having like homeschool, like play dates and having homeschool, like doing everything um, from math, English, science and history yourself as a mom. And then there's the art and the softball and the the gymnastics classes and the art classes and the community center and going to the beach and there's, and then you're a wife on top right. of it. So there's, there's, there's a, a lot to juggle. Yeah, there's a lot to do. So then is that where the the idea of the, the learning centers comes in? Yeah, so we did. Um, at one point, I was, I think my oldest, so I have four children. Um, the oldest is 23, the next one's 21, and 19, and 16. And so back when my youngest, my oldest one was younger. Um. I'm just like, we have to do something to um, get out of the house. <laughs> so we became part of um, 
a group called CFS down in San Diego. And CFS was a larger group. They met at a church where they utilized all the rooms within the building to um, have a co-op. So basically there was a mom in every room and every mom took a subject. So if it was math, you did math, English, science, history. Then if nobody knew Spanish, then we you know hired somebody to come in and teach the Spanish and then split the cost. So if the Spanish teacher was $50 an hour, ha ha ha, I know it's like 20, <laughs> that's 23 now and we're going back to 2000. But, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, if you had 10 kids in one class with a Spanish teacher and she was $50 an hour, it was like everybody paid $5 an hour for Spanish and it was like, hey, this is great. Right. And we got Spanish and um, art history and that was like our one day a week that we got to come together at a, a like it's a co-op setting so that's um actually even evolved even more today into the the campuses and the independent learning programs that you're seeing today okay i know you're you're doing uh the red apple project but before we get into that are there any other like educational path difficulties that that you know you could kind of express with getting into homeschooling if there was like a, a new family that kind of wanted to get into it yeah homeschooling has a lot of um of course i've been homeschooling now for 20 years so obviously i liked it it was for me that's what i wanted to do and i loved it and there's a lot of rewards with it and there were a lot of difficulties and you know before i get to all the difficulties i can just tell you the rewards outweigh anything on the planet um, told you this is the part where I get a little bit emotional, but I do. That's, I have that's, the... that, that's okay. It's, you know, you're talking about your family, so it's, it's okay. It would only make sense that you're emotional because think about it. This is a, a huge decision that you made, you know, 20 years ago to have your whole family go through this process. So Yeah, and it is it's a whole family process because you are together all the time. And the relationships that we have built... Um, with one another over the last 20 years is something that you would never give away. Awesome. Awesome. So the relationships, and I think relationships are, are really important because when you go, you know, because obviously the whole point of education is so that the student, you know, when they turn 18 years old and they, they enter the real world, you know, if you have the ability to make relationships, and build on those relationships, I think you're far more likely to be a successful in whatever it is that you want to, you know, endeavor in. Um, and I think one of the advantages of homeschooling is that the whole family is engaging in these relationships and they're part of these relationships instead of just necessarily seeing their, their parent go off, you know, to one place and then they're going off to a different place altogether, but you're kind of a, a group unit working together. Yeah, and I was able to um, meet the needs of each one of my children, meet them where they are at through their learning difficulties. We've dealt with dyslexia, ADHD, um, sensory processing disorder, allergies, all of those things that, um, let's see, dysgraphia, all of those things, it seems like, um, makes it all the more rewarding when you see them step out into the world as adults pursuing jobs, pursuing college, pursuing, you know, life on their own terms with their own goals and having the relationships that they call me and they come home to share their experiences with me as adults. 
is like a dream come true. Awesome. I can I can tell that it's it's been a, a dream for you and you know, I, I don't uh you know it's okay if, if you need a minute here, but it's 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 fabulous to see, you know, your emotion because it's something that you've been living for so long and it's it's important to you and, and I think that um that's it's beautiful to see. It's beautiful for people to hear about, you know, if, if they're maybe wanting to homeschool or, or what have you. So, um, so I don't know if I'm going to talk people into homeschooling right now. No, that's... <laughs> or if I'm going to talk them out of it because one of the reasons why I'm so emotional about it is because you were asking about the difficulties about it. Yes. It is hard. I tried to educate my children in every way known to man. They've been in private school, public school, charter school, two-day-a-week programs, and there is not an easy way to do it. There's not an easy road. It's all hard. And as a mom, as a homeschooling mom, independent educating mom, alternative education mom, like however you choose to do it, um, you are an everything mom. You are doing all the chores. You're making all the meals. You're teaching. And then if you work on top of that, then you're working. I'm also a teacher, so I would teach classes. I was a softball coach, so I gave softball pitching lessons. Then it's the doctor's appointments, and then you're pregnant, and you're having more children, and then you have babies that you're nursing, and then the toddler is running away, and the older kid is going out the door, and they're like going swimming without permission or something, and then you've got to put the baby down and go run after the other kid, and then, then it's time to go to church on Sunday, and everybody's got to be in their dresses and you know be clean and have shoes on and everything. It's like honestly, it's exhausting. So if you are a homeschool mom and you have one or more children. You are exhausted. And the other moms that are out there looking in, they go, oh, like, oh, you're so patient. You're so creative. You're so organized. You're so, like, I, I couldn't do that. It's like, everybody can do it. It is work. And it's hard work. But so is anything else you're going to do. Even if they're in public school, that's hard, too. You still have to do chores. And you still have to, you know, take them to doctor's appointments and their sporting activities. And you have to get all their things ready. And you have to, you're still going to do homework with them when they get home from school, right? Yep, yep. So it's the part where you don't like doing homework with your kids in school when they come home from school. So you have to struggle with them from like 3 p.m. to 8 p.m. And then you've got softball practice or soccer practice somewhere in there. Like I've talked to a lot of moms and they're just like exhausted because the afternoons and the evening time is hard. And I just do it during the daytime. Yep. I chose that the hours of 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. were our homeschool days, and that was the part that's going to be difficult. And it was like, oh, okay, school's done. <laughs> now we can go play. And I chose that that was an easier form of being exhausted than the public school than or waiting, private school route. Than waiting for the, them to come home and have them. I'm just, I'm just thinking about myself being at school, at public school, and then coming home and having to do specifically math was always what I struggled with. I had to basically do a three-hour math class with my dad every time I came home. Um, and he was a math teacher at a, at a public school. And uh, so I was, I was doing four hours of, of teaching math. You're, you know, having someone teach it to me and then more homework on top of that. So I can see your, your point where you're just, you're just moving the the learning time or that you're doing as a parent, right? The, the time that you're teaching them about these things from, you know, after school to during school. So you're just engaging with them then instead of afterwards. Yeah. And 
truthfully, I found since I did do public school and private school and two day a week programs and everything, um, I found that the time that I engaged with my children during the daytimes was less than the times that we were engaging in the afternoons, um, the after school times. And it was just a better fit. And then I didn't need to um, call and excuse absences and things like that because you ha just have more control over your your school day and your school week. You, you don't really have as many people to answer to when you are homeschooling yourself. Right. And on the subject of, I suppose, control, you as a parent, you have the control over what it is that they're learning and, and when they're learning it. For, for example, I was always fabulous at, at history and um, analyzing a story that we would read, but like terrible at math. And at a, you know, at a public school level, I was stuck in the same history class and the same English class uh, that all my peers were in. Um, and then my math class, I was also stuck at that same level when I could have been significantly more advanced in a history class. Uh, and gone farther in that, but I kind of had to go at the same speed as everybody else. And then everybody else had to suffer with me asking all the math questions and having no idea what was going on. So all the other kids had to suffer there. As where if you're doing it yourself, you're in control. You can talk to your kids or teach them on their level, at their level, in each individual subject. Yes, absolutely. You have a lot of freedom to move with the pace of your child, depending on the needs of the time. So if they're ready to move on to the next level, or if they finish their spelling book in the, you know, half the year, you can just move on to the next spelling book. Um, one thing that I really want to make clear in all of my experiences in all of my schooling is that every family is educating their children, whether they are in private school or public school or homeschooling. And I know our podcast is about homeschooling, but I think it's really important that moms out there no matter what the other moms choose to do, that we all support each other and not like point fingers at each other about we're all being the best moms that we can can be. And we are um, taking care of our children and educating them and being there for them and and loving them the way that we can love them. And that's something that I've seen in in groups and everything is is dividing. And I think one of my goals in bringing about the Red Apple Project is that I just want to create um, unity in education. So even among the homeschoolers um, and any, um, any parent that's educating, it's really, really important that you have that support network. So for your child that needs to move ahead and you can move ahead, that's great. You're going to have the resources to do that. Um, I told you I um, experienced some of my children had some learning disabilities. And yes. when kids yes, you did. are... Um, Two years old, you can take them to the regional center of Orange County, and they will actually come to your home for free and okay. assess your children in their speech, their physical, and um, mental abilities when they're two. Okay. And if they have delayed speech or delayed development at two, then they will qualify you to have services in um, my... Some of my kids had services where somebody came out to my house twice a week for 30 minutes to help my children with their speech. Um, at three years old, that's when the public school system actually takes responsibility for educating children 
Okay. And it's optional, but if you have delayed speech and it's recommended by your pediatrician that you go to the school system, they do a full battery test. So, okay, I'm going to go back 15, 20 years. It okay, was, that's fine. You can go back 20, 15 years. Okay, well, it's $1,500. If you were to go into a private practice and have your child completely tested, you know, with the Woodcock-Johnson and the speech and language abilities, and um, they do, like, psychological assessments and everything, um, it's it was $1,500 back then. So I don't know what it is now, but when you get a referral from your pediatrician, the public school system has to give you a full battery test assessment for your child. And those assessments, whether you use the services at the public school or not, are still very valuable to have. They start being an IEP or a 504 plan, which then you can take that information into your homeschool journey. And then that's when you're, you're built. This is part of your support network. So if you're homeschooling, you're still using the public school system and their services. And from there, you're going to get together and have, um, you know, tutors. Um, or if you're part of a, a campus, then you can go to a campus. If you're part of um, a co-op, you can go to a co-op. And every parent needs to weigh in on their own personal strengths and weaknesses. So you can supply the needs for your children as a parent and then you can outsource all the things that you feel like you're just either you don't want to teach it maybe there's subjects that you don't like um or so for like example you know if i'm homeschooling my student i would definitely not want to teach them math myself i would want to go out there and, and find a math teacher uh and i know the the first time i was at a like a homeschooled meet and greet i thought it was it was so interesting i was over there um myself, you know, selling my archery classes. And there was three different math teachers. There was one math teacher doing Singapore math, a another teacher who was doing math with like hands on Legos and Play-Doh. And then uh, another one. And what I just thought was so empowering as a, as a parent, I wasn't a parent at the time, but I was kind of en envisioning myself, you know, if I'm a parent and I, I have, um, you know, trouble with math, I can come here I can talk to three different, and then there's more, you know, outside of just that one meet and greet, multiple different math teachers who all teach math in various different ways through different mediums. And I can kind of think about what my student might need, what my kid might need. I think my student would love math with Legos or, or math with uh, the, the Singapore style. And I can choose the, the teacher that I think works best with my student. I think that's the empowering part when it comes to like homeschool. Uh, there's so many parts about independent education that are empowering to parents and families. And we're just scratching the surface of it right now with starting at like how homeschool started and everything. But then you move forward to like where we are now and COVID came along. Yep. And some people call COVID the great awakening because all of a sudden all the teachers came and all of their classes were taking place in your living room on the computer screen. And some of the parents were experiencing teachers and um, schools actually calling parents and telling them that they couldn't be present during their students' classes. And it's kind of like, well, um, you're in my living room and I can because they were hearing some lessons that were taking place that they weren't privy to 
when they weren't at home. Right. And they, they didn't like it. And I think that's where it comes from. I think the best part about it is, is whatever it is that you want to teach your student, whether you're here, there, or, or whatever, you in, in the homeschooling or however you go about doing it, you having control is, is the most important part, you know? Yes. And the other part that's empowering is I know that, you know, with the, the COVID vaccines that were coming down, I know they're not required now, but they were, you know, still on the fence about whether or not they were going to add that to the vaccine schedule for the children. You know, in these homeschooling um, and independent education programs, the um, vaccinations aren't required. We are not public schools. We are um, tutoring centers and learning centers, but they are put together so that you can meet all the needs of your child in another educational setting that's not a public or private school. Um, I call these um, independent education programs. So K-12 independent education programs where you can go to one location and you can get all of your classes met Monday through Friday. And that's, um, that's what the Red Apple Project is. Am, am I correct? So if the if, Red Apple Project, why don't you go ahead and uh, why don't you start with, uh, how, you know, where did the idea come from and, and where is it now? How did you, you know, get from your idea to where we are? I, I know it's in summer and it, it starts, uh, starts up in, a, you know. A few weeks here so tell us about the red apple project okay so the red apple project um so over the last 20 years of homeschooling and meeting the needs of my children and being in the community as a teacher um as a volunteer coordinator and a campus coordinator and director i um noticed that especially since covid there were so many more popping up so now you've got pods in micro schools and then you had teachers leaving the schools because they were making requirements some some of them didn't get the covid vaccines and so they got fired because they didn't get the vaccines and then the teachers didn't have a job and so they were looking for a job so they were going on facebook saying oh i'm going to do a pod in my house and then it just kind of snowballed into now we've got it's opened everybody's eyes to the possibility that public brick and mortar schools or private schools, brick and mortar schools are not the only way to get education. That going to college is not the only way to make a life in our world, that there's still trade schools and other skills that the world needs. And it's not all about getting a 4.3 GPA. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, my, myself, I, uh, I never ended up finishing, um, college myself i ended up always you know wanting to be my my own person do my own thing i I always had to do things my own way more difficultly and so i i i remember in in public school it was kind of go to college get your degree or or die like honestly that was that was (laughs) it's kind of uh exaggerated but it was like if you don't get your college degree you're, you're gonna die in the gutter on the side of the street um, and, and I, uh, you know, I was in college for a few years, uh, but I was so far back in math, um, bringing up math again, and I just had other avenues and other opportunities open up to me uh, that I ended up, you know, not... Not at, in a gutter? Yeah, not in a gutter, <laughs> uh, you know, not getting my degree. And I, I feel like sometimes you get a degree and you end up, you know, working in the, the corporate world, you know, in your career path and which is fabulous and that's that's wonderful um but i just kind of feel like as a as a student of history i think about what was the whole kind of idea with like the united states united states 
which is like to be your own person, be your own boss. Um, and so for me, that was that was the American dream to to be my own person, be my own boss. And so like the idea of you know having someone else be my boss kind of scares me. Uh, you know, a little little backstory. My um, my mother actually she she worked for uh, Chuck E. Cheese for my entire life. So I would you know my after school care was Chuck E. Cheese and video games and unlimited tokens, which was super duper cool and awesome. And she worked there for a very long time, um, you know, corporate structure. And then kind of what happened from my understanding is they systematically went through and let go or fired all of the managers that they had had for such a long time because their, their bonus pays were so high. And they either had to like renegotiate or uh, get let go. Um, and so for me, that was kind of like, I guess I don't want someone else to be in charge of my future and I can't make a decision about it. And so that's why me, you know, doing my own thing, starting my own archery company, it was like, if I fail, it's my fault. And I don't need someone else, you know, deciding that you're done today because you won't do it a certain way. So I think homeschool is just another avenue of those ideas where you don't have to do it public school. You don't have to do it private school. You can do it yourself. And then what we've talked about so far is that there's all of these resources and, and systems and support networks and community, like you're talking about the red apple project where you don't have to do it all by yourself. Right. So the red apple project is a 501 C three nonprofit private foundation committed to bringing alternative educational resources and experiences to families and their children. Um, we partner with community leaders, businesses, professionals, and individuals to deliver like the best educational choices for each child and family. And so this is just basically a hub for everybody that's in alternative and independent education. You can go log on to the website, theredappleproject.org, and for $25 for the whole year, you are a member and you can um, put yourself on the directory as a teacher, as an independent um, education program, as a micro school, as a pod, and then other people can find you. So you put your address on there and then it will be able to be filtered by um, city, state, and county. And that way new families who are coming up and they have their four-year-olds and they're just like, oh man, I don't know what to do about education and I'm not sure if the private or public schools are, are for me. Um, what are the choices out there in my location? So whether you live in, you know, Colorado or Texas or Washington, you know, people can go on the website and create a profile and advertise their location where they're offering independent educational programs. So this is not open to public schools. It's open to public schools in that charter schools can go on there and list themselves as an option to families. So, um, just a, a little bit of education there. If you are a family and you enroll with a charter school, you are enrolled in public school. Um, a charter school is a program where you don't go to a brick and mortar school, but you are connected with a program and a teacher who keeps your transcripts for you and all of your school records and your attendance. And you just have that added support. So when I talk about families creating that support system, some people are perfectly comfortable doing like a private school affidavit and doing everything themselves. But if you want the support with the charter schools, then um, 
they're they're there for you. Okay, so they're giving you support, like what you were saying with like transcripts, and they they give you like a teacher that's working with you. Uh, what other kind of support do the the charter schools you know offer you if you if you sign up for it? I know from like the teacher end, you know, I have to sign up for the the charter schools as a as a vendor, and um, you know, if someone signs up for my archery class, it's the charter school that's actually actually paying me, but I don't know what that looks like from a, a parent side. Yeah, so the other um, benefits of a charter school is that if you do have an IEP, they can do the testing for you and offer the services for you um, that they have. And if they also have, every charter school is different, and they do have a certain amount of funds that they are able to give to like each student. And then there's an approved vendor list where you can spend your funds on certain approved vendors. Um, so that's one way to do it. Some people don't like that they have to turn in samples. So this is like the, the cons to being with a charter school is okay. that you, you have to, you know, give them samples. They want to see what you're doing, you know, every, every month. It's like every 21 days. And then they want to do, um, the state testing and they want you to do physical fitness testing. And some parents are just like, nope, that's still too much control for me to give up. I want to do everything myself. And they do a private school affidavit. Um, the other option is to, to do a private school satellite program. Okay. That's where you go to an existing private school who offers you the ability to, they will hold your transcripts for you under their school name and keep a transcript for you. And it's usually a nominal fee of like 500 to $1,500 a year. And then that way you, you feel like you have some support and they usually offer some guidance counseling with that too. There's also some businesses that are PSPs now. And then they, um, the third option is PSA. So PSA is a private school affidavit. That's where you, the parent, actually goes onto the um, state government website. And this is for California. Every state has their own guidelines for homeschooling so but we're talking about homeschooling in orange county we're in california in california if you file a psa the hardest part about filing a psa is coming up with your own school name so that's the hardest part that's the hardest part because they're like oh what am i going to put on my transcripts i don't know what to call myself and everything so you file a psa and then you keep your own records and and then there's um a homeschool legal defense association hslda um the membership for there is like you know, $100 a year or something, because if you were to get questioned and 20 years ago, if your kids were playing in the cul-de-sac in the middle of the day, your neighbor could call the police on you and be like, why are these kids not in school? And then, you know, the police might come over and be like, um, why are your kids not in school? So HSLDA was born to fight for student parents' rights to just be allowed to homeschool legally. Right. And um, that doesn't really happen so much anymore because so many people are homeschooling. Yes. So many, so many people. Um, it's, it just sounds like it's so different today than, than it was 20, 30, you know, years ago. I don't uh, even like calling it homeschooling anymore. I know it's homeschooling, but I like calling it um, independent and alternative education because it's open to anyone. You, can, you don't have to do it one day. You can go someplace four days a week or five days a week. And um, homeschooler carries this connotation of, you know, people in overalls and (laughs) right right yeah so I guess uh, on that terms um what are some like common misconceptions that you think people might have about 
homeschoolers or as as you call them independent schoolers or independent learners we're independent cooperative educators we are independent and in we get to choose and pick our own classes and our own teachers but we're cooperative in that we cooperate with the state requirements got it and okay do everything it's not like we don't have any goals for our kids like oh we can just go to the beach today or you know just it's not like we're not doing school um although there is something out there called unschooling but <laughs> well, I, I wanted to go ahead and i kind of go on a, a tangent when you just said uh going to the beach today because i know um uh you know with some of my students in, in in class sometimes they're like oh yeah what you know i ask them what did you do over the weekend and they're like oh we, we went to the beach and and then sometimes they're like yeah it was fun but my mom was in the middle of teaching me, you know, about the, 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 the beach system and, and the ecosystem and stuff like that. And that's, I guess, kind of another thing you can, you can learn all over the place other than just in a classroom. So you, you can go to the beach, I suppose, and learn about, I guess, oceanography. At There's beach. even a book out there called Car Schooling. Oh. RV Schooling. Um, so there are... It doesn't matter where you are, we are always learning. So when we talk about being a lifelong learner, an everyday learner, we're like 24-7 learners. It doesn't matter what we're doing every single day that we are, everything has to be a, a lesson. So we're always um, doing that. The other misconception, the largest misconception, is that students who educate in this way don't have social skills or they don't get socialized properly. Um, and my question to those people are, what is it that you value in the socialization in a brick and mortar school? Are you valuing the relationship between the student and the teacher? Are you valuing the relationships that your, your child is making with other children while they're in that environment? Are they, uh, are you valuing, valuing your socialization with your student and the bullies at the school? It, it could be that. I'm just saying it, if it's a great system. I mean, we, there are great public and private schools out there that meet every person's needs. Um, the next um, thing that is hard for parents is getting the guidance on what lessons and curriculum to use. And then public school is free. Yeah. Private school and um, independent education programs and tutors are not free. And so how do we compete with free? That is another problem that I'm trying to solve with the Red Apple Project. So of all of the membership fees that come in and the, um, the products that get sold in the marketplace that's coming on there, 50% of everything that comes in is going to be donated towards student scholarships. Um, the, the initial funds are going towards the, um, the website, costs money to run the website. And then um, after that, the, the goal is to just have this funds available to, for people to apply for scholarships and to um, qualify for funds to be used on classes that they need for their children that they otherwise wouldn't be able to afford um, being in other programs. Okay. Is there anything else as far as misconceptions you think? I, I know, um, I think the socialization one, I, I, I kind of wanted to go back to that 
because it's like, oh, I want my student to be socialized. And it's, it's like, well, where do you want them to be socialized? Do you want them to be socialized with, you know, other families that, you know, you're, you're close with because you've talked about building a community that, you know, that mom, you know, that family, you know them and you want them to be socialized with those kids that have similar values or values that you agree with that that student, you know, your kid could be hanging out with and learning with. Or do you want to put them somewhere where you have no idea what these students' values is? And in this kind of idea of independent education, you can pick where they're going to be learning and where those other of those values, you know, are coming from. So you don't want to necessarily. I always kind of think about it. You know, now that I've got my son, do I want to have him in public school learning all of these values that aren't values that me and my wife believe in? And so. Yeah, they're socialized in public school, but what are they socialized to? And I think that's a thing that a lot of parents, you know, in COVID were seeing, you know, where, no, you're not allowed to see uh, what we're doing in class. And it's, well, why are we not allowed to see what you're doing in class? Is, is that the kind of thing that you want to be socialized with? And in this other idea, this whole other, you know, idea of homeschooling or independent schooling is you get to choose where they're socializing. Yes, so they, they well, like I said, and what we were talking about before, that they are not in a classroom with students that are only their age group. Right. So they are in a room with kids that you could have a, an English class and a writing class that's fourth to eighth grade. It's um, multi-age levels in a classroom, and it works very successfully, and it's been proven in the Montessori methods of education and everything, and I... Um, when you have a family, I have four children, and we were doing, you know, ancient history or medieval history, um, and teaching the same subjects to everybody in the room. The older ones get harder assignments, and the younger ones listen to the stories and, you know, color the pictures. And everybody is educated at their level within the same topic. And so that's another thing that's really easy within the homework and, and socializing. The older ones help the younger ones because obviously younger ones need to be, you know, um, mentored a little bit more. And that gives more opportunities to those older kids to be able to mentor those younger children as well. Right. And there's, there's responsibility that they're learning in, in mentoring the younger students, which is, is something, you know, super duper important is, is responsibility. And, you know, I, I, I've listened to some parents who were kind of on the fence about the idea of independent learning or, or homeschooling and, Sometimes they're like, yeah, well, how does it work with a, a third grader and an eighth grader? And, you know, sometimes I kind of mention, well, how did it work in the uh, American system when it was just a one room schoolhouse? Because that's that's what it was. Right. You know, it was all the ages right in there. Um, and that was the you know, the one room, you know, schoolhouse is what built the foundations of the United States, uh, you know, until we had enough people in each city where we could kind of do this more industrialized version of, of public school that we, you know, we know today, but that's not where we started. And um, I think that's a thing to think about, you know, as a, as a historical fact, we started with the idea of everybody learning together and the older students mentoring to the younger students and the younger students in the same room looking up to the older students and going, I would like to be able to learn and know the things that they know. Um, and so that's that's something to, to think about, I think, if you're kind of considering like third and eighth graders in the same classroom. 
So um, I guess my next question is, uh, we've talked a lot about community in, in the, uh, the, the, the whole system. What would you think is, um, how do you foster a sense of community and support among homeschoolers? You're, right, you're doing the, the Red Apple Project. So what are some ideas that you think are, are good to foster a community, to bring them closer together? So the Red Apple Project is a, is a directory of different choices of different schooling options, whether it's a micro school or a co-op or an independent educational program. And within these different educational programs, it's one of the things I tell moms is I'm like, find, you know, find your vibe and you'll find your tribe. You know, you want to be, everybody wants to be with like-minded people. It's like you go to um, different churches and you go to different communities and you kind of walk in and you either, it sits well with you or you're just kind of like, yeah, I fit in here or kind of, I don't. So now we really have the opportunity to kind of pick and choose um, where we want to be and who we want to spend our time with. And the best way to build community is to get involved in your program. So um, the Red Apple Project does have um, another program called the Red Apple Academy. It is a TK, starts at four years old to 12th grade. So TK to 12, independent educational program where you can come one day a week, two days a week, three days a week, or four days a week. You can come for one class or 10 classes, whatever works for your family to meet your educational needs. My advice is to get involved in that community. So if, whether you go to a program or a micro school or a co-op that you're, you're there, that you volunteer, that you're running the graduation ceremony or that you're doing the teacher appreciation luncheons or you're the parking lot monitor, you know, ask your leader, like, where do they need help? Maybe you are a leader. Maybe you want to start one and, um, you know, you'll put messages out on Facebook or something saying, who's interested in starting a pod with me? You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of that going on too. Okay, so you just, you just mentioned that there's the Red Apple Project, but then you also have the Red Apple Academy. Where, where is that located? The Red Apple Academy is in Laguna Niguel in California. We share the same building with South Coast Conservatory, which is a performing arts company and dance company. Okay. Um, we have amazing programs. Like I so said, we can do math, English, science, and history from TK to 12th grade. We go all the way up to pre-calculus and, um, and physics. We have AP and A to G courses. We um, are able to meet the needs of the charter schools. And if you PSA, if you are a PSA parent or if you are a PSP, um, it doesn't matter. You could be a public school student and then get out on early day on Tuesdays at 12 and then come over to Red Apple Academy and, and take a class. It's more like a community center where you just come in and take a class. It's like going to the, the mall. When you walk okay. into the mall, you go and pick the stores you so, want to shop at. Okay, so you have a lot of different a lot of different classes there and you can you can just kind of pick and choose the ones that best fit your schedule. So if you're a, a wonderful uh, mom or, or dad who's great at teaching math, you wouldn't necessarily choose a math class, but if you needed something else like English, you could sign them up for just an English class. You could do just English. Some people choose to come to do their core classes, math, English, science, and history, or some people take care of that at home and they want to come for piano and guitar and robotics or um, archery or art or dance, musical theater, and all of that can be um, taken at Red Apple Academy. The other thing people do is 
Um, some people are coming into independent education because they're like, I don't want to be a homeschooler. They okay. just don't want to be in the public school. Got it. All right. So they, they don't want to be in the public <laughs> school, but they don't want to. They don't want to be the one teaching the students. No, so they don't. They're like, I, I'm not sitting at home teaching math to my kids because that's not what I'm called to do. I don't want to do that. Right. Okay. <laughs> this, so this is an option for those parents. Yes. Okay. So they can come and have their student, you know, take classes all day. They have core classes. So if you want to be part of a kindergarten program class, there's one that takes place Monday through Thursday. Um, Friday right now is like your free day. So everybody gets to have like field trip Friday or beach day Friday. Maybe we'll have some moms that come together and decide that Friday is the day that they're going to do that. And they create their community that way. Awesome. It happens almost every year. So um, then there's a first and second grade. Like I said, we have combo classes. Um, we tend to get more kids in there when we have combo classes. And we like the multi-age group setting where we're having older and younger in the same room. Then we have a three, four grade level, and then we'll be um, having a fifth and sixth grade as well. Okay, so if I'm a parent and I've got my, my kids and I want to join the, the Red Apple Academy, uh, where would the best place to, to go? Uh, obviously, you have a, you have a website. Um, is there another way to, to get to know about it other than just signing up for it? Well, you can go to redappleacademy.org, redappleacademy.org, and then hit the About Us link if you want to read more about, you know, who we are and what we do, where we're located. Um, you can see the class schedule and look at all the classes that are available on, you know, you pick your day. Like, say you're just looking at Monday, you can click on Monday. Or if you just want Thursday, you look at Thursday and you look at all the classes that are available on those, each, those individual days. You pick and choose which one. Like I said, you could take one class. It's like a college campus for kids. Okay. Just like you go to college, it's like, oh, okay, I need to take these two classes. Um, and sometimes you come in and you look at the schedule and some parents want to fill all their days. And some parents want to um, come on two days. Some parents just want to come for a couple classes. It just depends on what the needs of the family are. Awesome. And then I also know uh, on Mondays you're doing, are you still doing tours? I know you were doing tours in the, for the last few weeks. Yeah, we have tours every Monday at 1.30. And then our next open house is August 12th from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. And that's open to the public. Everybody's going to come in. It's going to be kind of like a, not a homeschool conference. What would you say? Like a, like a vendor fair. Okay. So all the teachers are going to be doing little demo lessons, little science experiments, and music demos, drumming. Get a feel of uh, who the teachers are, what they're doing, and, and the types of uh, activities or hands-on things that they're going to be doing there if they decide to, uh, to join. Um, I guess um, we're kind of getting close to our, uh, our, our hour mark. Um, uh, is there any uh, message you would like to share with parents and educators who are passionate about homeschooling and creating innovative uh, educational experiences? Yeah, I think what I'd like to leave everybody with um, here is that everybody has the responsibility. We all have a part to play in the education of the next generation of children. You know, whether we're a parent or a teacher or a business in the world where all, it, you've, we've heard it a million times, it takes a village to you know, raise a child. 
and we all have a part to play. And here at the Red Apple Academy and Red Apple Project, we're just doing our part. We want to make services and teachers available to, um, we, we want a resource center for everybody. We want a place where new people come out and they're, they're, they're lost. And this is kind of a place where they can come to find their path. Maybe this is a place for teachers and businesses um, to offer their internship and their, their skill sets. Like I said, we have, um, there's a lot of trades that still need to be done. So there's businesses out there that have woodworking shops and auto shops. And many of them have, you know, um, opened up their places of business in order for us to be able to. That's okay. Keep going. <laughs> they have opened up their businesses to enable us to teach kids how to work on cars. And um, then there's doing podcasts and videography and film and all of those industries out there. And um, the Red Apple Project wants to bring them all together and just have them at everybody's fingertips. Awesome. I think uh, I think that's a pretty good start for a, a first episode, unless there was um, anything else you, you wanted to mention. No, no. I think we, we covered a lot here. There's a lot to go. And then um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, in the, the comment section below, I'll go ahead and uh, list Red Apple Academy and uh, Red Apple Project uh, websites. So if you're a listener and, and you want to know more about that, you can find those resources there. Uh, other than that, um, we'll go ahead and say uh, goodbye to everybody in Orange County and uh, all of our listeners and have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye. Bye-bye now. Mm -hmm.